Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. If he happens to get a ticket, moving violation, maybe jaywalking, something like that this weekend here in Indy, we can get Phil to uh, fix up his ticket as well from CBS. Spiro Ditas joins us. See, membership Spiro has its privileges on this show, my friend. Has anyone been talking to you about my poor driving record? Is that what this has been <laughs> I, I guarantee you this. I, I, just told, I just told him this. I will get pulled over within a week. I guarantee you. <laughs> guarantee it. Right downtown. So I just uh, called my shot. That karma thing's real, man. Hey, especially with me. I was just explaining to my friends here that nobody takes a significant hit with karma like I do. It's it's really right? weird, yeah. So Don't it's always been that way. <laughs> Spiro Adidas of CBS joins us. Hey, do you view this cold season right now in in terms of what we wanted to see from Anthony Richardson, and clearly now from the rookie quarterback, we won't because he's done for the season, going to have shoulder surgery. Do we view this as all as a lost season? Do you view it that way? I don't think it's a lost season. I think it's it's certainly uh, it's disappointing. I mean, it's a buzzkill for uh, for Colts fans. You know, it's 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 a shame. It's just crazy how how cruel this league could be. You know, here comes Jonathan Taylor, and the town's so excited. And you know, you're you're thinking, man, this this is this is a team that's turned the corner so quickly, and now you've got this potential to have such a dynamic offensive backfield, and then the, the kid goes down on the same day that Jonathan Taylor comes back. So sometimes the football gods are cruel. Um, now it's, you know, I, I, I just think, John, you have to always keep perspective, right? I mean, you, you think back to how poor last year was, what a debacle last year was for the franchise. Anything's better than that. Anything's better than that. And so as disappointing as it is right now to consider the fact that, that he's done for the year, I think there are enough positives. I think there are enough um, in, the, in the good vibe category to, to make you feel like it, it's not going to be a lost season, that there are still areas where the, the franchise has really turned the corner, where I think they're back on the right track. And, and who knows? I mean, look, at the end of the day, the, the one thing you have going for you is that you're in the AFC South and you're always alive in that division. So maybe you'd be somehow sneak into the playoffs somehow, you know, who knows, get a home playoff game uh, by, by the grace of God. And then you never know what could happen. But I think it'll, you know, we're going to find out a lot. I think early in the year, they've showed that they're, they've got a lot of grit and a lot of fight in that locker room. And, and let's see how they handle it. Spiro Dinas has the call for CBS coming up on Sunday with the Browns and the Colts. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. A lot of people around here believe that there is a, a Cubs-esque curse from either the cutting of Peyton Manning or the deflate gate rat squealing job they did in that AFC title game after they were roundly beaten by the Patriots. And it does seem like that the further we go into this, it's always seemingly with injuries or otherwise two steps forward and three steps back. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you, you got the Richardson news, which everybody was bracing themselves for Spiro around here. And then you get the out of nowhere sideswiping of the Grover Stewart news earlier this week. I mean, it just seems like the hits just keep on coming around here. Yeah. The Grover Stewart thing's unfortunate. He's such a outside of India. I still think people don't realize how good he is and what a, what a, a key piece he is for that defense. And, you know, I know Shaq Leonard, uh, there, there are questions of, you know, can he get back eventually to the player he was? So now you start losing guys like that. That's, that's something that's tough to recover from. Um, you know, you have some guys you can plug in for sure. But in terms of the curse, I guess I, I can see it. I mean, I've never, I've never thought about it. You know, I obviously don't live in Indianapolis, but I could see how that could kind of seep into the <laughs> minds of, of Indianapolis fans. I'll tell you this. I grew up in New York, diehard Knicks fan, NBA fan. And that franchise hasn't won anything since 1973. So 
You guys got one. You got a Super Bowl with Peyton. Uh, obviously, some great years and some some you know perennial championship contending teams. So, I think you know maybe maybe another ten years, you could maybe you maybe have something there. But we'll see how it shakes out. Spiro Ditas, yeah, Spiro Ditas joins us. Were you shocked at the level of poor play from Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville when you were calling that game Sunday? Yeah, I think I think maybe we we realize you know we got to got to pump the brakes a little bit on Gardner. We were we were singing his praises, and I I love him. You know, I, I love everything about him. You know, he's a Southern boy, country boy from Mississippi. Just you know, he's never a me guy. He's he's had to earn everything he's gotten. I think if you go back to geez, even even his high school days, you know, he's just one of those guys that that have always been doubted and cast aside. I think he played at four different schools at college and finally had a chance to be the guy and he excelled uh, in the Pac-12. And then he got to the NFL and, you know, he's just kind of a forgotten piece. And, you know, Nick Foles goes down and, and here comes this guy out of nowhere. I think Gardner is just, you know, at this point, I, I know he won't admit it and probably still feels like he can be a starter in this league and maybe he can. But I just think guys, there are certain guys that are, you know, they're, they're backup quarterbacks. And, I think Gardner at his best is a guy who limits his mistakes, um, takes care of the football, but he needs a balanced offense. You know, he needs a running game. He needs he needs other pieces around him. He needs a stout offensive line. And and I think we're going to see a much better version of him of him this week and moving forward. Uh, you know, for him to throw it 55 times last week, obviously that's, that's not anyone's idea of, of a successful recipe for this offense. So I think Shane Steichen this week, they're, they're probably having long discussions of who they need to be offensively. I think you hear every coach talk about getting off to a fast start, but I think it's crucial for this team because last week they fall behind 14-3 early in that game. And it's tough to, it's tough to stay committed to running the football when you start to fall behind by, by two and three scores. So I think they really need to get off to good starts uh, to give themselves a chance. And, um, and I think we'll see, we'll see Gardner bounce back, take care of the football a little bit better. And he better because this, this Cleveland defense is just, I mean, sensational and all those words, I don't think cut how good that they are at this point. I want to get to that with you in just a second. Spiro Ditas of CBS has the call coming up on Sunday of the Browns and the Colts. You look at um, th- this Colts team right now with Gardner Minshew. You look at him last week as well. Um, and, and you mentioned the 55 pass attempts by Minshew. And, and that was a lot. And people say, well, they got behind. They had the throw. But that's true. But they also, I mean, he was 9 of 9 to, to start that game. And then once Jacksonville took away the short pass, you know, they were unable to really move the football consistently whatsoever. Were you surprised at the usage of Zach Moss from what we had seen the previous, pre-we- or the previous three weeks? And then, you know, obviously trying to implement Jonathan Taylor back into it. I think 15 carries overall. With that in mind, were you surprised about that usage at running back for the Colts? Maybe a little bit, John, but honestly, you know, you pay a guy like Jonathan Taylor, I'm sure Jim Mersey, I don't know how hands-on he is with, with Shane Steichen and the coaches, but there's a pressure now to, to incorporate Jonathan Taylor into this offense. And we were sitting around talking about the game afterwards, and, and my partner Adam Archuleta said, you know, yes, in theory, it's nice to say you've got a two-headed monster and, you know, we're going to have – we're going to use Jonathan Taylor and, and Zach Moss and both of them are going to get their touches – but Adam said he made a good point. He said, look, if, to really get a nice lather as a running back or, or really any position as a skill position guy, you need your touches. And for Jonathan Taylor, I think to be the Jonathan Taylor that we've come to expect, he needs to touch it 20, 25 times a game. And so, you know, this notion that I, I, I don't think Zach Moss is going to go away, but I don't think he's going to be – you know, he should expect to have nearly the same amount of, of snaps and, and touches that he's gotten. Um, otherwise, then you're, you're asking Jonathan Taylor to be something different than, than I think what, what everyone is expecting and hoping him to be. So this is where you really need a, a coach like Shane Steichen to push the right buttons, find what that right balance is. But, but I think there's pressure for, for them to really start to allow Jonathan to, to get a groove and in order to do that. He needs his snaps and he needs his touches. He needs to be the focal point. So this is it's going to get tricky, but I think Shane Steichen's capable. You know, we know his track record as an offensive coach and, and play caller, and I think that it's going to be a very fascinating thing to watch here this week and, and moving forward. You know, Spiro, as we're talking on this particular Thursday afternoon, yesterday 
it was almost like it was a foregone conclusion that Deshaun Watson was not going to participate, going to be out again, and P.J. Walker would get the start. But then we see earlier today that he's out there running around, which I guess makes us think, all right, do, do you, if you're the Browns, give him another week of getting right and being you know, completely healthy after a week, or do you roll him out there coming up against this Colts team on Sunday, were you a little taken back about today, him being out there compared to kind of like the doom and gloom we had for his thought of starting in the in that game against the Colts on Sunday? Well, I, I, the whole thing has been a little bizarre, to be honest with you. You know, because you think back to week four game, so two weeks ago, he was medically cleared. And then right before kickoff, apparently after warm-ups, he, he told Kevin Stefanski and, and the medical people that he, he wasn't good enough to go. And so they had planned that entire week thinking he was going to play. Their backup quarterback barely gets any snaps during the week, and then suddenly he finds out a couple hours before the game that he's the starting quarterback. So that, that was odd. And then they're saying maybe it's, it's multiple weeks, maybe it's, it's four to six weeks. You know, there, there was all this uncertainty. And so the whole thing, I think, has been, has been odd. And then you've got Kevin Stefanski say, well, it was, you know, it was, it was Sean's decision. He was medically cleared. Which was, uh, I mean, how do you medically clear someone and then he's still multiple weeks away from, from being able to play? So I think there's a lot of issues, that, that <laughs> a lot of questions that I would have. Um, at the end of the day, these guys, especially with a guy like Deshaun, you know, $230 million contract, all the, the guaranteed money and the investment that they have in him, I don't think that there, anyone's going to ask him to play unless Deshaun Watson tells them, I'm good to go and I'm ready to go. And based on what he said yesterday, I haven't seen his comments yet today. If, if he can't let that thing rip with the velocity that he needs to put on his throws as a passer, I don't think he's going to play. That said, um, wh- what we're hearing is he's, he's very close and he was trending towards playing. So, you know, what that means on a, on a Thursday, a couple of days before the game, I guess we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Spiraditas of CBS has the call with the Browns and the Colts inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Let's go ahead and close with this defense. A little over 1,000 yards. The Browns are 3-2 and two with that defense so far this year. It has been incredibly impressive. What has stood out to you from what you have seen about this group and how good they have been on the defensive side of the football so far? Well, a couple things. One, Miles Garrett hasn't had like this crazy start in terms of his stats. Like his sacks are, are very, obviously very good, but he's, he hasn't gotten off to this like career start. That's number one. And they're still playing at this just otherworldly level. I think the biggest difference, two things. One, obviously Jim Schwartz, who I, I think has long been one of the best defensive coaches in the league. I think he's only burnishing his reputation, his legacy at this point. Um, Joe Woods just, it was never the right fit, whether it was just scheme, whether it was how he was putting guys in different positions, whatever the case was, he was not the right guy. So Jim Schwartz has made a world of difference. Um, and number two, I think the guys that they brought in at the defensive tackle to shore up the interior part of the defensive line, John have made all the difference. You know, Dalvin Tomlinson has been a guy who's been at, you know, one of the best guys at his position for a number of years. Um, the linebackers are healthier. That's made a, a ton of difference. Anthony Walker's a uh, question mark this week with a concussion, but Owusu Koromoa, this kid's playing the best football of his, of his brief career. And then you've got the back end. You've got guys like Denzel Ward who's playing as well as any quarterback in the league. I mean, he is a legit shutdown corner at this stage of his career. And you put all that together and you've got what could be the best defense in the league so far. The only question I have is how do they fare – against the elite offenses because if you look at who they've played you know they got Cincinnati early Joe Burrow uh, I think we could all see was not full strength yet last week obviously a crazy win but you know the San Francisco loses Debo Samuel they lose Christian McCaffrey so you know you can say well you know maybe Cleveland has had some lucky bounces here and there I don't think there's any doubt this this team passes the eye test but as the season goes on, how do they fare against the truly, truly elite, you know, top one, two offenses at full strength? That'll be that'll be fun to watch. But they're they're just off the charts. Spiro Dinas to CBS with us. Hey, in closing, downtown at the Slippery Noodle tomorrow. I mentioned two weeks ago that we do these shows. You want to come by and hang out and have a couple of drinks with us? And you, I'm uh, going to surprise you. I'm going to surprise you, John, one of these days. 
I'm not going to announce it. I'm just going to show up. <laughs> okay. That's awesome, man. We'd love to see you either way. And the welcome mat is always out. Thanks, brother. I appreciate hey, it. Hey, by the way, too, hey, um, our morning show had Adam Archuleta on in closing here. And apparently he mentioned something about you. Are you cool with hearing it? You want to hear it? Sure, sure, sure. All right. Hey, James, roll that back there. I had a Marcelletta. I, I think it was actually in the midday. I apologize on Querying Company. I had a Marcelletta regarding his partner, Spiro Ditas. Roll it. He is a man of leisure and, you know, love hanging out on the road and, you know, going to get a cigar, ha- checking out some great cigar bars and that kind of stuff. But uh, really a good dude that, that, that really enjoys, you know, again, I think being a man of leisure is the best way to describe him. <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm so happy you played that for me. But I, I I will get Adam for that comment. But I, I am a man of leisure. Look, I, I you know I, I am who I am. I like to have a good time. I like to have All a good right. time. Well, hey, listen, we'll supply that good time again tomorrow. Slippery Noodle or whatever you want to, we'll supply that good time for you. Sounds good, brother. Thanks, John. Take it easy, Spiro. It. Thank you very much, Spiro Dinas of CBS on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, not too far away, less than a week now in counting from the start of the Pacers season. And uh, Tony East is joining us now regarding that. Uh, Cleveland, obviously, Tony, coming up tomorrow night, that final preseason game. And then the matchup with the Wiz to start the season on Wednesday. I, I mentioned this to Chris Denary yesterday. Like, I want their defense to get better, and I cry and whine about their perimeter defense all the time. And I expect it to be better. I just don't expect it to be that much better. Thus, I don't think at all they can hit a bump in terms of their offense. Remember, they were scoring at a high clip, especially at the end of the year last year. I think that is a level they have to maintain, meaning I think they more have to get the defense up but keep that offense to where it is right now to get better, or at least in the category, I believe they can be better this year. What would you say to that? I agree. And the, the tricky part about it for them, you know, and, I, and my, it's like, wow, the transition, right? They love to run, get out. They even had a bucket against some uh, They were hot. And then Tyrese Halbert immediately up the top and like, in transition on mate anytime in. Well, the key part of getting into transition scoring is getting stopped, right? Hey, I, I, hey, Tony, hold on one second. James, Tony's kind of cutting out, and I really, and I know people listening right want to hear his information um, as a whole here. So see if we can't get a better line for Tony. That's just not workable. I don't want Tony to say stuff that people don't hear. So. Tell me whenever Tony gets back here. I, I was getting like every third word. And I, listen, I think this aspect of this Pacers season at the beginning especially, but then as we, we get through it, is is important because certainly offense at a high level is important to the NBA and they need to play better defense. But I just don't think that they're going to get that much better defensively on the perimeter to make up that type of ground. I just don't want to see them lose ground offensively. And that has always been my worry considering the amount of clock that Buddy Heald, for example, will get and how he does off the bench, you know, and what they add to that starting lineup and, and how, how rotationally speaking, that group can put up numbers. The, the one thing about Obi Toppin, we'll get to that coming up in a minute, my thoughts on Obi Toppin, but uh, Tony Eastry joins us right now. I'm sorry, Tony. I want to make sure everybody heard what you had to say about this because <laughs> to start the season and then as we move forward, I think this is going to be something we're going to lean on and talk about all the time because defensively, do I think they're going to get better on the perimeter? Yes. I just don't think it's going to be that much better. Thus, the offense has to maintain, if not even increase a little bit, do they have the personnel to be able to do that in your estimation? Uh, that, you know, Bruce Brown will make them default a little better on the perimeter. The thing that I think they're hoping for is these schematic changes can really help them out there, right? They're, they're working a lot on one-on-one defense, a lot on how they're going to defend pick and rolls. And, you know, your, your guy, Miles Turner, is going to be back there to help around the rim. So the hope is that the perimeter defensive stops can help and they can get those stops and run in transition and be that team they were last year. But – yeah, you know, there is a cap to what your offense can be if you are really transition-heavy, right? You have to score in the half court to take 
a big step forward. So they have to kind of be better on both ends to take a big step forward, right? They got a lot of the easy buckets down last year. Tyrese Halliburton's a wizard, but they've got to improve their perimeter D, and it'll really help their offense too because of what they're already good at in terms of scoring in the open floor. Here's Tony East joining us talking Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, So I have mentioned, I believe that they're going to thank you very much. I picked them to go 10 better than a year ago, which is 20 better than two years ago. Is that, as I like to say, a little too robust, or is that in the neighborhood in which you you have a belief for this team this year? That's a tiny robust for what I think, um, but I don't think that's crazy. I think they're going to be about a 500 team this year, um, but that is – you know, just that I don't know that they can get out of the bottom 10 in defense, like we just said. I think their offense is going to be so good, and Halliburton's fantastic. And maybe I'm overshooting it or undershooting it a bit, but, you know, they were 500 in games Halliburton played last year. They were over 500 when Halliburton and Turner played. Like, there's a lot of easy ways for them to be a lot better, but they're still going to have some warts. They're still a young team. They're still figuring out some fit stuff. Like, they don't, I don't know if they're ready for, like, a huge step forward, but that said – there's a lot more ways their season goes really well than ways it goes really poorly. And the ways it goes really poorly are just injuries. You can't predict that, but there's a lot of stuff that is more predictable or at least conventional in sports and improvement, like a young guy getting better or someone just taking a huge skill jump forward that are possible for this team. And they have two new additions at Toppin and Brown who are good. So I think there are more ways that they improve by 10 wins than ways that they really sputter and don't reach expectations, at least this year. So I don't think 45 is out of the question, but it's a little bit too much. So, Tony, will Obi Toppin add a great deal of depth offensively to this team, or will it hurt his offensive game because he's no longer playing against the Pacers? <laughs> That's right. I think like half of his points last season came against the Pacers. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> I think that he'll be very additive most on offense, mostly because his the stuff he's the best at is what they're already really good at, right? So, you know, the, the, the like his first bucket that came from Tyree Talbert on Monday, like I said, was off a make, right? They, the Hawks scored, and the Pacers just threw it ahead and scored. Obi Toppin was wide open for a dunk. Like, that's not a usual play to see, but he's so athletic for his size and is strong enough to, like, when someone is muscling with him in the open floor, he just gets the ball. So that's going to pair really well with how they want to play. I think you already saw his screen and roll game create opportunities for others, like Miles Turner was really benefiting from it. Halliburton, of course, is a whiz of passing. So together they're going to be really good. I'll be curious how much like his shooting and, and stuff like that really takes off for this team because that will kind of really be important for his fit with their starting lineup. But in general, I think the fact that the stuff he's so good at is what the Pacers are so good at is going to make him look pretty good on offense. I think the questions, and we talked about this a lot at practice today with him and Rick Carla, are going to be, can he defend and can he rebound? Because that will define a lot about what he does this year and how often they play him. So Tony East, who joins us, as always covering the Pacers, kind enough on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, as far as Buddy Heels minutes, so coming off the bench, I still maintain that his, his prowess, in, even when he doesn't have the ball, it's scramble mode. I, I heard that that Rick was on. Rick Carlisle was on with uh, Kevin and uh, and Andy Sweeney this I think earlier this week in the morning, and had had talked about how in this era, Tony of the NBA, and when you get kind of all wound up rotationally speaking on defense, that every team's going to make you pay because everybody's too talented. And I always thought that's what Buddy Hill brings to the table against other defenses is the fact you always have to tag him. You always have to know where he is, regardless of if he has the ball or not. And that leads to miscommunication and malfunction on defensive rotations and easier shots from others. I'm just kind of curious how they will maintain his minutes with him coming off the bench. Yeah, there's a lot of talk with the Pacers and how they play random in a good way about how Tyrese Halbert is so important to all of that. But so is Buddy Heald, right? Like, he is so good at those fake screens to start possessions and deciding which way he's going to cut away from the play and deciding when he's going to cut uh, or what he's going to do with the ball. Like, he had nine assists in one of their preseason games. He's a decent enough ball handler. So he's really good at that stuff. And the reason that's important is it forces the defense to be reactive, right? They can't just set the tone the Pacers are setting the tone, or Buddy Heald setting the tone, and the other team's reacting to it, and that's why the Pacers' offense was so good with him out there last year. There's a lot of defensive questions with him, which will dictate his minutes, certainly, but 
you know, he, he is one of their more talented players and he pairs very well with their best player. And it's not a secret that, you know, that the lineup he was in on, on Monday, it was the starters, except Bruce Brown was out and Buddy Heald was in and they destroyed the Hawks for four minutes, like 17 to six. They were awesome on both ends and Heald was a big part of that. So as much as it seems like Matherin's going to have a very critical season and he is, and his playing time and his fit with Halbert is really important. They've got to try to get Buddy Heald out there with Halberton as much as they can because he also is important in all those ways you described and forcing the defense to react and make plays and spread out. And that's really important. So I think he's going to be definitely the sixth man and playing quite a bit. The question is, is it 22 minutes? Is it closer to 30 minutes? Is our Mather, is Matherin so good that it's less than that? Like, There's going to be a lot of questions about how much it is, but in the preseason there's been no questions that he's still important and still helps our best groups. It's, uh, Tony East who joins us. How much better in this preseason so far? People are talking about Jalen Smith. What have you seen out of him? Because for the most part, people are you know, really surprised and, and thrilled with his play during the preseason to this point. What have you seen? Yeah, definitely important that someone would step up in this preseason as the backup five. They're still trying to figure out who that's going to be. And given what we could see so far, I mean, he's definitely the guy who's earned the backup five minutes if the season started tomorrow, you know, he, he was the third center in their first two preseason games, but he was great. He didn't miss a shot at Houston. He's made both of his threes I think he's taken in the preseason. And the thing he's always been the best at, among their young bigs at least, is he's their best rebounding big. Daniel Tice is probably a little better than him at that, but he's also older. So Smith take, maintaining that kind of force while you know, being a little bit better of a play finisher, at least so far in the preseason, has made him look really sharp. Like his shot's falling, he's moving well, he's defending well, and he cleans up the misses, which they need the play they want to play. So I think that's been really good. I talked to Miles Turner about it today. He said he just thinks Jalen Smith's more confident, which was something that was actually pretty important for Turner early in his career too. And I think if, if Jalen can you know, keep that confidence going into the season and, and hold on to this backup center spot, like he looks pretty good and he might be the best fit with that group of any of their backup bigs, but he has kind of had waxing and waning effectiveness in the past. So it might be too early to say anything for certain. But right now I think he's, he's the leader for their backup center spot. He's had a great preseason. Tony, before I let you go, quickly tell me, what are you most excited about seeing from this team, either from the old guard that's been around here for a while or some of the new faces on this roster? I think they're just going to be like a highlight reel like every game uh, because they have so many good shooters and they have so many athletic guys who can finish plays around the basket. Like, they, I mean, how many times did they dunk two seasons ago the whole season, JMB? Like eight the whole yeah. season? That's, a, you know, that's an exaggeration a little bit. But you know, this year's team has – athleticism up and down and good shooting everywhere. And they're going to be a highlight package. It's going to be a joy to see how that all translates. And their defense is is certainly going to lead to some highlights for the other team. They're going to have to be good on that end of the floor if they want to be as good as they hope to be. But they're going to be an absolute blast to watch in terms of the fun basketball plays that, that everybody likes to see on social media. He is on the Pacer beat uh, at SI Pacers at Forbes Sports at WTHR at Locked On Pacers at Next Hoops. I think he does absolutely everything. Tony East is just a fantastic resource for you, for us, for this show, and we appreciate you jumping on here, and uh, we'll talk about it for real coming up next week, Tony. Thank you. You got it. Thanks for having me. Week 7 has the Browns and the Colts down at Lucas Oil Stadium. And with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, it is Mike Chappell. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? Outstanding. A little baseball this afternoon in the uh, yeah. NLCS, which is not bad. Game 3 out in Arizona with the uh, Phillies and, and the Diamondbacks. The fills up 2-zip. I think really both series – have been highly entertaining. The postseason has been highly entertaining. Then you get the ALCS 2-1 Rangers up against the Astros in Fort Worth coming up later on tonight if you're paying attention. You cover the Colts, however. I asked Spiro Ditas of CBS this just a moment ago. Do you view this, and, and obviously we're more in tight with what's going on around here on a daily basis. Do you view this now as a lost season for the Colts given that Anthony Richardson is done? Well, check with me in two weeks. Uh, they got two home games against two good teams, but but two teams that if if this is not a lost season, it's because you can beat these two teams at home. I still look at the schedule, doggone it. It's just not daunting. It's just not. But you've lost your 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 catalyst, and 
you know, it, it, no matter how we talk about it, it comes out as a knock on Gardner Minshew. I don't mean to be. It's just that this offense is so different with him. It just is. There, there's, there's, until we see different, it's not going to be the shock plays unless they get JT some enough carries and, and he breaks one because I just don't see the passing game being very vibrant. We were talking in the press room, and I really think these last 11 games, barring an injury to, to the quarterback again, another injury, this is going to really showcase Shane Steichen's game planning and how he can put guys in the right spot to maximize what they can do and stay with them limitations more than, than, than a player lifting the offense because I just don't know how much Minshew can do that. I think when, when things are going well, I think he works. Uh, but I just don't see him. You know, if he throws 50 passes a game, they're not winning. You know, the Colts didn't win a whole lot when Peyton threw 55 times or, or Luck threw 55 times. So, yeah, lost season. Let's see how they do against Cleveland, who's got a great defense and an awful offense, and, and, and the Saints, who might be sort of the same way. If we're sitting here in two weeks and they're three and five and, boy, they haven't looked good, then, then yeah, it's going to be a long season. And there are a couple of different ways you want to look at it. I just view it as a lost season because now you're going to have, to me, you're going to have rookie season, the sequel with Richardson next year. No question. No question. But that, yeah, but, you know, the, you're right. But the encouraging thing is in the four games and 173 snaps, I think we saw what he is, who he can be. We can get into the injury things, and I, I, I just think these injuries are just God. They're they're just flukes. I, I really do. But but boy, you saw what he can be. You know, let's say that in Carolina, Bryce Young. You know, heaven forbid he he gets a seasoning in a season ending injury. Do you know what you have? You don't know. But I, I think we saw enough of. of AR that he, he yes he's got growth to do and they'll, they'll do what a little bit they can to you know limit the risk of injury good luck with that but I think I think all the hope whatever hope there was in training camp whatever hope there was when they drafted this kid I think he's reinforced that yes he is the guy let's forget the injuries if we can which I, I realize we really can't but on the field, he showed everything that you thought you were getting when you drafted him. So Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm glad you brought that up. I said the same thing yesterday. However, I brought this up too. I think that there is no way in the world, because you look at it the way in that small sample size that he has played and you believe in him for the long-term future, there is no way that right now, until you see it happen consistently, you can believe in his long-term durability. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he finished one game that he started. Uh, but, but, but if you look at if you look at the injuries, I mean, gosh, you learn. He played 13 games, and he's got the touchdown run at Houston. And he, I still, if he runs through the tape, I don't think he gets hit. I just don't because defensive players kind of know, man, I can hit him at the one, I can hit him at the half-yard line, but I better not hit him at the goal line. So I, I think he could have avoided that. And then, and then and then, he snaps his head. He, he, he didn't really get hurt by the hit. He got hurt by hitting the ground. And doggone, I, I've heard so much about the the play that put him out, the, the quarterback run, and Harold Landry, and it's – they're not going to quit calling design runs with him. That, that's you, you're just not. I've always thought that quarterbacks really have maybe more of a chance of getting hurt in the pocket when when blindsided or whatever people around your feet and your, your knees and all this. I think you can sort of protect yourself a little bit when you get outside. Although you still these are big guys chasing you, but they come down on the shoulder. And, and I'm telling you, I, I watched the Monday night game and. And a receiver got hit, goes down, and they sort of fall on, the guy, on his shoulder, and he pops right up. So, 
they knew this is who he was when they drafted him. They they knew they were getting a quarterback who, who, yes, he's got the strong arm, but boy, what he does, he just threatens defenses with his legs. Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. And to to think they're going to turn him him into a a pocket passer, that's not happening. Now, again, they'll they'll work with him on how – they're not going to go jujitsu on how you fall on concussions. They're not going to do that like Tua did. But there are things you can do. But that was just a design run that he gets outside. What's he supposed to do, slide after two, two yards because he didn't really feel the guy in back of him? So, but but yeah, it's but everything's magnified now, and and when we get when we talk to him at the end of the season, whenever it's going to be, well, what are you going to do to protect yourself? And next year, what are you, what have you done to protect yourself? And we'll talk to Shane Steichen next spring about that. This is who he is, and this is what you knew, and you knew there would be risk, and maybe the risk is a little bit more with him because of the lack of experience and playing against bigger guys, faster guys. And trust me, when, when these defensive players are sitting in meetings during the week and you're going to play the Colts, they're saying, you know, n- not to be dirty, but th- they're going to hit the guy. That's what you do when you get a chance to hit a quarterback outside the pocket. You're going to do it. And that's part of the risk. But they, they knew what they were getting into, and I think they would do it all over again. Hey, Mike, I'm curious, had – they, and I mean by they, I guess Jim Irsay and, and others that were here at the time, had they not gone through Andrew Luck and obviously Chris Ballard um, along with this too, had they not gone through that, would we be seeing Anthony Richardson's season end in the fashion now with surgery in which we're seeing? Good question, but, but the fact that they did – you know, I, I think that steered me again when we talked to Shane Steichen last week, and he was asked, I mean, you, you know, are you going to take the long-term, the long-term view, longevity? And he said, yes, you have to. So, but Stephen Holder had a very good story when, when he talked to Ursay about this. And, you know, going back through the Andrew Luck saga where he was it, different injuries at Torn Labrum, but he decided to rest and rehab and, and, and no surgery initially. And came back and played pretty well, and then and then not so. You know, then then you lose a season with all of that. So, you know, what would the the the, the problem that the delaying? Let's say they waited six weeks, which was probably an option, and see if it healed on its own. And if it did, okay, comes back and plays. You know, four games, whatever. But if it doesn't, then in six weeks you say, well, we better have surgery. Well, then, then you've delayed the rehab process, and then maybe it leaks into the, you know, next season, off-season program. They only waited, like, what's it been? Was it 10 days when they decided on this? That's that's not a big deal as far as delaying any rehab. So he'll have plenty of time. But, yeah, it, but you learn from the past. You just do. And what's crazy is this year was supposed to be, like you said, the learning year, reps, reps, and all that stuff. And, boy, if we get some wins, well, what – what frustrates everybody is he showed you in four games what is possible. You're down 23 to the Rams, and he brings you back. Uh, in the big plays, the big arm, and the big throws down the field, and the four touchdown runs, and you're thinking, well, maybe this isn't just a learning season. Maybe they, they can do something. and Maybe they still can. It's just going to be so much harder without a quarterback who can do that. All of a sudden, you know, maybe you're not going to score on a – three or four play drive is going to take 10 or 12 plays. And that's hard to sustain over, over 11 games to be a team that's, you know, prolonged drives and because things happen, you know, you get a, you get a sack, you get a false start, you get, you get a turnover. So, uh, yeah, I, but the, the important thing is that they did sort of learn, I think from luck, although maybe, maybe they would have done this anyway, because you've got to protect the future. And, you know, the idea because this guy's going to be here for the next 10 or 12 years. So my chapel of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Will they adjust the play call, the playbook, the times they call for those design runs? Because I don't think they will. Others suggested no. that you have to take away you know, the opportunities for, for him to be injured. And, and listen, I've said this all along. 
Rick Venturi, I'm sure, would agree with this if he were right here with us. You can't put this guy as much as you want to in a glass case because that's not why you drafted him. So and all this draft, stuff of adjusting this and adjusting that, I just I don't foresee that in the future. No. Do you? No, the, uh, no, I agree. Then don't draft him. Then don't exactly. You know, and you know, again, I think there are some things you can do. Again, the concussion, run through the end zone. You know, these guys are fast and they want to hit you. Uh, the, the the shoulder injury that he got hit on, I don't know. I mean, no, you, that's play. It's kind of like Andrew Luck getting a, what was it, a lacerated kidney against Denver because he was trying to score inside the five. That's a football play. I think there are some things they can do, tweaking a little bit. But, no, this – this I still watch Josh Allen. What's he in his fifth or sixth year? He's still yeah. out there running like a like a wild bull. Yeah, he's calling you know, his he, own number. He's call, He calls his own number to do that, too. Yeah, and, and when he yeah. gets outside, he, he'll – he's not looking for contact, but, but he's not going down all the time. Sometimes he leaps over guys. You're thinking, hey, this – you're the franchise, but no, I, I I think there are a few things you can do. But this this is who he is. They're not gonna if you're gonna quit call if you're gonna quit calling design runs, then why did you draft the guy? You, you just do what you can to, to to limit certain risks. Again, I think I think when he gets outside the pocket, normally if if Harold Landry is not chasing you down, you get five ten yards, and if nothing's else, else there, you go out of bounds or you slide. And we saw him slide. It might have been the opener, one of his first runs. Uh, and this chance, he just didn't get it because Landry was on him so quick. I don't call it a fluke play, but but it's just a football play. But I I I, I, I will I'll go on record right now that that no one's going to be able to tell the difference next year in play calling with Anthony Richardson because this is who he is. This is who you drafted. Hey, Mike. There have been rumors dropped, and you know, listen. I am one to say wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. But why do we hear about Jerry Judy right now? Why would that make any sense whatsoever? It, to me, it doesn't. Uh, maybe it happens. I don't know. You know, I, I see people write it and they say sources. You know, okay, you have a source. I don't know. But, yeah, because he's got, isn't it a $12 million base next year, I think? Uh, yeah, if Richardson was still playing – yeah, maybe, I would agree with maybe, that. Maybe maybe you add maybe you add parts, but no. I again, you, we talked about receiver. We're going to find out about these guys in the off season with Michael Pittman. He's going to get paid. He's going to get twenty five mil from somebody, and it, maybe it's a franchise tag. That's the one. The one good thing about a byproduct of getting JT done is you get the franchise tag. I'm not sure how how Pittman would react to that. Probably we would see him in, you know, training camp you, and not before. Have you guys asked him regarding the franchise tag possibility before? I haven't yet. Uh, th- there was a good, uh, Nate Atkins did a good story on him where he, he praised JT's approach. That is a blueprint for, for players. He didn't do it. He didn't do it because he's banking on himself. He's banking on, you know, staying healthy, and like I said, somebody he's going to get 25 is the franchise tag, so why would you take less? And and the, the argument that I make, let's say the Colts say, man, we can't really do that. Well, th- th- then you're going to pay that much to replace him. It, it's going to be a good free agent market for receivers, but a lot of those guys won't hit the market. Uh, and I think Stephen Holder and I were talking about this, and we were in, a, we're in agreement that – no player has been more impacted by this circus at quarterback than Pittman. He, you know, he's had, he's had 600-yard games in his career from four different quarterbacks. That's just crazy. Uh, and, and now he's going, you know, he, they, they were showing some pop with AR, and now it's going to be the, more of the underneath stuff with, with Gardner Minshew, which is going to limit, probably limit, he, he, his big plays. But, uh, you know, we're going to see if, again, if you don't pay Pittman, you're going to pay somebody. I'd rather pay my own, knowing that whatever you think he is, part of that is because, not part of it, a lot of that's because of the quarterback situation. And I just think he's pretty good. I've had questions of the one. I had these same questions about T.Y. 
and he won me over. Totally different players, totally different players. But I think Pitt's got a chance to be pretty good if they could just stabilize this quarterback situation, get him another really good sidekick. If that's not Alec Pierce, I don't mean Josh Downs, I mean another outside guy. Then, then we'll see his his true his true potential. But the bottom line is that kid is going to get paid in the offseason from somebody. I um I look at it, Mike Chapel joins us. I think, and I looked at you know what is going to be ultimately free agency next year already at wide receiver, and there's nothing really to me that stands out a great deal. I, I just think that if this team really truly wants to do something. It's going to have to find a trade partner somehow, somewhere. And that's why, Mike, I've been kind of rooting for these really messed up situations in, like, Minnesota, right? And, and maybe in yep. Cincinnati, kind of messed up situations there to see if you can do and kind of peel away like Philly did for A.J. Brown. Or, you know, financially how Miami ended up getting – um, Tyreek Hill down there, you know, obviously from, from Kansas City. To see if you can't unearth something that we don't necessarily believe is going to happen or think is going to happen right now. I just, I just don't think there's anything enough to add to this team and free agency that you're going to find. Well, you're not going to do that plus sign Pittman. Right. I mean, that's and that's what, the other part of it, too, yeah. Well, I mean, what Ty, Tyreek Hill get $30 million a year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anybody, Justin Jefferson, you think he, he, you know, 25 million is probably his, 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 the minimum of what I think he's probably, he's under contract and all that. But, but yeah, it, it, that's, that's why I think if, if you can, if you can talk yourself into believing that Pittman is, can be that guy, you know, with, with, with stability at quarterback, then you go and get a sidekick. You get, you get a T. Higgins type of guy or Tyler Boyd type of guy, and then you're pretty good. Well, you know, I mean, uh, Josh Allen really took off when they got Stephon Diggs. So, but but it, you, boy, you pay out the nose for that, and if you do that, you can't you can't you know you can't do that. To, you can't have two receivers costing you know fifty million dollars. I realize the quarterbacks on a rookie deal, but you can't do that. But we're, th- that's why this off season we're going to really see if. If we can get Chris Ballard on, on that island with us and see what he does for receivers, because to this point they haven't done that. They, you know, second round picks and all that, yes. But this is going to be where, you know, one way or another, they're going to have to pay big time for a receiver. And you know, too, let's say this season doesn't really go anywhere as far as wins and losses and their top 10 drafting. I know one person at the Colts complex that's really going to lobby for Marv Jr. So, yeah, uh, and it's, it's going to take a bunch cap or uh, draft capital wise to move up in the top. Gosh, four, maybe five, so at least four, four to get. How, mu- how much? And I'm glad you brought this up. How much would this higher up that you're talking about here? How much would he allow the Colts, his team, to give up? to have that legitimate chance at Marvin Harrison Jr. That's where you're going to hope or you're going to – I don't know. I don't, that, that's where Chris Ballard would sort of say, listen here, you know, we, it's going to cost us a boatload for a receiver when we're just paid. I, I don't know. It, it, that'll be, I, I don't think Jim Irsay would say, no, he wouldn't do what the Saints did. Remember Ricky Williams when they, they gave up their draft and all that? He, he he won't be he won't be over the top, but but he you know he he's made it very clear that he likes the idea of Marvin Jr. being here, and you know what you really want to hope for is that maybe maybe three quarterbacks go at the top. You know Michael Penix is playing pretty well. You know he you know he's he's maybe the Heisman front runner right now, but you got to believe unless there's a pass rusher out there that Marvin Jr. may be four. Five, it seems like he'd be gone. So, and if you're, you know, the further back you are, the harder it is to get up there. And I don't know. I, it, this is this this wouldn't be like Chris Bowder giving up a one for DeForest Buckner. This would be so much more. And but that's gonna be it's gonna be fun talking about. And you know, if this season kind of goes off the rails, win loss wise, uh, that's something we can talk about in December. Yeah, I, I tell you, I'm trying and hoping 
so much, Mike, that the Colts keep this interesting, entertaining the rest of the way, or at least most of the rest of the way. If not, we're going to be subject to talking about the durability of Anthony Richardson no for question. the better part of the next year. And I'm just not down with that. Off season, okay, but during the season, I, that's just going to wear everybody well, out. Well, like, I, like I said, if, if, if this team it, – it's so hard to, to look forward when all you can think of are four yeah. turnovers and, a, and another butt-kicking in Jacksonville. Yep. But, again, home with Cleveland, home with New Orleans, at Carolina, in Germany against New England – I mean, if, if you're going to be competitive, and then you've got Tampa Bay. God, I keep going at Tampa or Tampa Bay, at Tennessee. Cincinnati could be pretty good, but Pittsburgh at home, Atlanta. It's just not a murderer's row of teams. But you've got to do your part. You've got to not turn the ball over four times. They're not good. They, they wouldn't be good enough with Richardson doing that. They weren't good enough with Peyton to do that. But doggone, if you play just decent. Now here I am, beating the drum for this team to be decent. Uh, but but if you are, if Steichen can game plan, if the defense can overcome not having Grover Stewart, which is a massive loss, it's just a massive loss, the schedule says here, play well, and you're going to win some games, and then who knows in December. So, But it's up to them. They've got they've to do their share, and it's going to be harder without the quarterback, without the rookie quarterback. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, I got to go really quick. One final thing. You look at what happened to Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. It with this Cleveland defense has the potential of being even worse. Does it not this weekend? I think it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a grimy game on our podcast with Fox 59. I think I picked Colts 19 to 16. I kind of did, you know, okay, they're going to scratch out a touchdown and they're going to have four 50-yard field goals by Matt Gay again. But you just you, – this is going to be tough. You, their offense is as bad – it's not very good. And, you know, does Watson play? I don't know. But, yeah, it's it's going to be an ugly game. I th- I, I've got them winning just because I'd kind of like to see what would happen if they got on a little run against this, you know, not really tough schedule. But, boy, it's good. this is going to be one where you think, man. But I remember games with Peyton when they played Baltimore. He said, man, this is going to be tough. We're going to have some bad series. But when there's a play to be made, you got to make it. That's what this game is. And, you know, and don't let Miles Garrett have those four plays. That just blows it up. And he's capable. Yeah. Of, he, he's the guy that does nothing for 50 plays. And then he destroys you, just destroys you. Those guys are rare. But he can do it if you don't pay attention. And they'll pay attention to him. You can still pay attention to him, and he's going to do it to you. Hey, well done, Mike. We'll see you up in the press box on Sunday and uh, see what happens in that game against the Browns. Appreciate you. Looking forward to it.